Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Jerome German. He is a husband, father, grandfather of uh, a multitude and father of 11. He's Parochial activities have included music ministry, faith formation, spiritual direction, talks for men's retreats, and he also contributes articles to Crisis Magazine and the Catholic Stand. Jerome, thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome. We're going to talk about a recent article you had in the Catholic Stand called Celibacy to the Rescue, which I thought uh, was very well written and and a great reminder. Um, But maybe it's good to start off today talking about what does celibacy need to rescue? What's going on in our culture? And I think, you know, everybody describes themselves based on their sexual desires, the over-sexualization of children. But maybe we can kind of talk about a little bit of that to talk about why the sexual revolution has gone bonkers. I think the simple answer to, to your question is that we are finding our identity in uh, our sexual choices. and uh, rather than finding our identity in our creator. And, um, that, that's, that's a a can of worms. Well, and we see it, right? I mean, all you have to do is look on social media. If you ever look on, uh, libs of tip TikTok and they show teacher after teacher all over the country, you know, trying to indoctrinate and sexualize our children from kindergarten all the way up. And sometimes even younger than that. And it really is, uh, it's satanic the way this is being gone about. And parents, unfortunately, are just now starting to wake up. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of those parents don't have any foundation. So where do they go? You're right. They don't have a foundation. And, you know, it, it's, you know, if somebody has the same sex relationship, I'm gay or I'm I'm by, I mean, whatever, you know, the terms are that people go by nowadays. And it seems the pendulum just keeps getting more and more extreme. And we all know the pendulum is going to swing back, but you just wonder when does it reach its ending point before it starts moving in the right direction? Right. So, so the tendency in, in today's culture is, is toward scientism. Uh, not, not a, not a, not as, not so much as a strict religion. Most people laugh that off, but, but, but scientism as, as just, uh, looking at our, what we consider to be our extensive knowledge about everything and, and deifying that so that the, uh, uh, and, and it's not, and it's not a, it's not a, critical thing people are not looking at it critically it's just a zeitgeist thing it's just whatever is the latest trend is thought by most many people to be scientific fact and uh and you can't argue with fact and so it's 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 uh religion is being replaced by um by the latest uh, trend, if you will, and un- under the name of science, which is a very dangerous uh, thing to be pursuing, because there there's there are just a lot of people who think they understand what science 
is and really don't have a handle on it. Well, and science is looking for, you know, facts and truth. And I, I know scientists in many different fields that have basically left the profession because of what science has become. Science has become, you know, as you mentioned, you know, what's the latest fad and and not looking for the truth, but trying to conform what's going on to whatever the fad is and saying that's the truth. Yeah. Well, well science in and of itself is just a tool. It's it's a uh, uh, I've written a previous article where I ex- explain that science is is really a servant of art, that that science is actually an art. It's it's a it's a protocol for studying something. That's all it is. It's a protocol for study and to to make it some kind of an absolute is is ridiculous on its face because uh, it's not science is never absolute it's always searching if it's not it's not if it's not searching if it's not re-evaluating it's not science and so you can't deify that which is which is is not constant well i guess you can if you subscribe to moral relativism where you get to change things on a whim and whenever it whenever it suits you and yeah. you know that really that just leads people in you know total darkness yes yeah yeah the, well and and the the irony is that science becomes uh an absolute and um which makes no sense because again, it's a, it's a, it's a protocol. It's a tool. Um, it's, it, it's the, it's on its face, the exact opposite of absolute. And, uh, uh, so it, uh, you said, you mentioned earlier that what you see is, is happening, uh, in sexual formation in our country is nothing less than demonic. And, and that's what this, this um, misuse of science is just demonic. It, it's it's a, it's against uh, all common sense, uh, against logic. It's uh, it's yeah. <laughs> well, and I think if you if you look at the world as a whole, right? People are depressed. They're angry. They're they're lost. If this was such a panacea and such you know an enlightenment then it would be the exact opposite. People would be living lives of joy and peace, you know, come those fruits of the spirit. But what we're seeing is, you know, suicide rates up, drug rates are up. I mean, everything is up. So obviously what's going on is, isn't the answer. And so you, you talk about the importance of celibacy and kind of, you know, through the monastic agent and, and different things of that sort. What, were you, what point were you trying to make the people and remind them of? Well, I was trying to make the point that that um, you cannot have a just world without sexual purity, and the the same the same um, virtues that are required for living the life of a celibate are required for living the life of uh, for living a Christian marriage. You need you need you need to have personal purity if you're going to be faithful to your spouse, if you're going to uh, 
put your spouse's feelings against, uh, 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 um, if you're going to place your spouse's well-being above your sexual needs, for example, as is often as is often required in marriage, um, and the divorce is a testament to the fact that we're that we're we're not doing that. We're not uh, we're not living in, in many instances marriages that are sexually pure that are um, uh, deferring to the to to the to our mates when they have um, specific needs we're, uh, we're, we're, we're our culture is a very self-centered culture and uh, mm-hmm. the the, uh, the the virtues required for celibacy the virtues required for faithful marriage are very much the same virtues they are, and I think you know you you make a good point uh, when you in your article when you talked about you know pleasures are seen as conquests instead of gifts, and when we think we're the conqueror, it, it becomes all about us, right? There's no love involved; it's all about self satisfaction, and you know what? You're you're more of an object than you are of a human being, right? That's right. And so when we look at that, it, it, it can be, you know, it, it's we just see the destruction, the broken families, again, the, the hopelessness, and it, it, it's permeating our society. And I know, uh, you know, if you'll talk to any religious, you know, especially, you know, those that have made the vows of poverty, obedience and chastity, and everybody thinks chastity is the hardest one. And they'll tell you by far it's obedience, not chastity, that. That is yeah. the greatest struggle when you give something up, and the, the that's and that's the other thing, right? I think your article really points out that you know it's not about what we're giving up; it's about what we're gaining and in, in growing if, in our relationship with our spouse, growing in relationship with God. It's it's what we get out of it. It's not about what we're leaving behind. Right, right. Yeah, there's a there's a. If I were to say anything about today's world, we often we often find people who live fairly joyless lives, and 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 joy is something that comes from really only comes from doing God's will, and um, I think at a at, at a certain level, deep down inside, we we all know what God's will is in our lives, but we find ways to uh to uh what how, how would i say this w- ways to um fool ourselves that uh we can uh, you know we can we can placate our more base desires and uh and somehow still try to believe that we're not offending god but um we we don't really fool our deeper selves. We, we there's no joy in life unless we're actually pleasing God. Well, and you know, you also talk about you know love in the article too, right? Love has gotten totally perverted 
it becomes, you know, love what makes me happy, you know, my own, my own satisfaction. And it's not about the will, the good of the other. It's not about sacrifice and forgiveness. And it, it really, when we lose that definition and, and love is one of the three theological virtues that really puts us in a hole, doesn't it? Right. Right. And I, and I, I explained the, uh, the, the the preference for the word love now over the word charity when they are they are supposed to be the same thing but but modern parlance has, has basically reduced love to affection or infatuation and uh, we're 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 not they're not the same thing and they and they won't satisfy our our inner selves our need for god uh affections uh emotions just not going to do it well and we see it right it, you know anybody who's been married for more than 20 minutes knows you know in fact affection or infatuation all those things right they, they kind of ebb and flow love is something that we will it and if it's just going to be ruled by our emotions when our emotions kind of wane then you know what we're out and it becomes again all about us and we're gonna you know move on because we don't want to have to make any kind of sacrifice or put that kind of fortitude into our lives right yeah right affection um ex expressed affection is actually an, an act of kindness it's an act of charity when it's when it's done for the right reasons if it's just this spontaneous reaction to i'm you know i'm elated in this person's presence um that kind of affection uh burns out uh because of of circumstance and difficulty but uh the the affection that we choose to express because we sense that the other person has a need for that affection that actually becomes uh, it ha has merit because we're choosing it and we're choosing it out of commitment. We're choosing it out of, out of charity. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to put, uh, cast affection aside as this thing that's fake. It's real, but it, but it has to be chosen to be uh, of any merit to us. Right. And again, it's not, this is this warm, fuzzy feeling that, you know, we feel, and, and when it goes away, then obviously we must not love that person anymore, right? There's nothing more right. irritating. And when I hear somebody say, you know what, we just we just kind of moved apart or we fell out of yeah. love for each other. And I'm like, no, you we, chose we, not to love that person. That, that, yeah. don't, don't go blaming, you know, don't go blaming extra, you know, extra uh, terrestrials out there for convincing you of something you've decided to do. Right. And well, the, the most egregious to me is we grew apart. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You, you grew. You're a better person now because you, you uh, ended that relationship. That's growth. Uh, you know, come on, seriously. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And, you know, th and this is what, you know, you're a father, you know, grandfather, I am as well. I mean, this is what these kids, these young adults, these married, young married couples are being inundated with, right? Whether yeah. it's on social media, whether it's in movies. And so if we're not rooted in Christ and really kind of try to screen out as much of that as possible, it'd be impossible to do everything. 
but we are we are going to become victims of the culture if we aren't rooted in Christ and understand who we are and our sexual identity and and that is a gift, right? Right. That is one of the greatest gifts we will ever receive as a human being. And uh, yeah, we 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 need to find our identity in in how we were created, not in what we create. When my daughter went into the convent, when she was discer- right before she went in, when she was discerning, before she entered her postulate year, they gave a book, and it's called "And You Are Christ." It's really the charism of virginity and celibate life by Father Thomas Dubay, and I would highly recommend people read that because it really does show the beauty, the gift of our sexualization, but really the beauty and the gift of virginity, celibacy, and. And how that helps us grow and is not some anchor that makes our lives misery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that yeah. I've Oh, I was gonna say another thing that I've written about is the fact that, you know, in our current culture there are the the people who are pushing the uh the gender fluidity are saying that ge- gender is a social construct. And I've written about how to some extent, um, that is correct. We're, we're a creature that's fairly low on, um, uh, on natural instinct. And, you know, we have to be, we have to be taught how to care for children. We have to be taught to just about everything or we, you know, we, we wouldn't survive. Uh, we, we need more parenting than any other creature on earth. And, and those, um, those parenting skills and the things that we learn uh, about ourselves uh, are are social constructs. So to a certain extent, uh, gender is a social construct. But there's there's good and bad social construct, and the the, the Christian social construct for gender is is one that is um, that is. Uh, conducive to the uh to to the our creator's desire for how we should live our lives it's it's a a pro family uh pro child uh pro woman uh, uh approach to to uh to gender and uh, that's not the case with uh the all the gender fluidity nonsense that's going around now. You know, also in your article, you know, you, you bring up a, a good point about kind of the great monastic age, kind of the, the era of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and that the world always wasn't like what we are today, right? There was in Europe, you know, how many tens of thousands of monasteries or people in monast- men in monasteries and, and practicing this this gift of celibacy and grow and and it was really a masculine thing to do. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about about that age and and how you know we need maybe to look back to that in a way to see the beauty of sacrifice, the beauty of giving up a gift from God to grow in our relationship with Him. Well, I mentioned it. Yeah, I mentioned in the article that uh, there were, I, and I was, I was actually shocked when I did the research. There were at one point thirty-seven thousand um, 
uh, monasteries of, um, oh, what's the, uh, uh, Benedictine, I believe, monasteries alone. And um, one of the things that's interesting when you, when you study this is that um, St. Saint, Saint Francis was, uh, to a certain extent, uh, in, in the founding, he, well, he initially didn't intend to found an order. He ended up founding an order, but his approach to, to monasticism was somewhat reactionary to um, to to the Benedictines of the time who had become fairly wealthy and fairly uh, comfortable, and uh, um, that that was not what uh, what he wanted uh, in his life. He wanted to live, uh, you know, an extreme life for Christ. He wanted to to give it all. He 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 did not see any advantage in the in the uh, the, uh, spiritually in the, in the comforts that were enjoyed by the large monastic communities. So there, there, there are, there's always improvement to, to be made. And, um, and, you know, as, as humans, we, we, we stray from the path, uh, even, even in those large monastic organizations. So, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's it's not monasticism is not a panacea. It's um, it's it's one more piece of the puzzle. One more one more one more way to um, to support the church, support the family, and and to uh, to focus on a prayer life and and uh, a life of uh, of giving. You know. Also, you. you... I know you mentioned this in this article, but you had mentioned it in a previous article, uh, quoting uh, the novelist GM, is it Hoff? Hop? H-O-P-F? And it's, you know, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times, right? Only our holiness and that of those touched by our holiness can prevent the swing of this pendulum. And I think, you know, even if it's the monastic life, right? At some point, we we start getting into that position of comfort, and and we lose the fact or that focus on self denial and and focus on God, and it becomes too much focused on us. And we see what kind of times we're in now, right? We have very weak men, and the times are really hard. Yeah. Well, well one of the things is that there's really socially. Uh, historically, there's really no such thing as stasis. The culture is never standing still. It's it's always changing for better or worse, or for better and for worse. In, in most instances, um, it's it's just the way uh, it's the way humanity goes. Because you know we're 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 a fallen race, and we 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 fall off the wagon, you know, and, uh, that, that will always be the same. That's, you know, there's, there's, there will never be a successful utopia. There will never, there's, there's no such thing as a panacea. Uh, and, and certainly celibacy is, is not one, but it's, it's one more tool. It's one more way to serve God and it has a place. And, 
um, that place needs to be honored and it, and it needs to be encouraged um, because we're out of balance right now as a society. Yeah, and I think, you know, your point to, you know, nothing stays the same, right? We're either growing in our relationship, uh, in our marriages, or with our relationship with God, or, or, or we're declining in it, right? There's no such thing as, hey, I'm happy where I am, I'm just going to stay put, and let's just ride this thing out, right? We're either, to your point, we're either growing or dying, and we get to make that choice, don't we? Yeah, yes, we do, absolutely, Yeah. And we have to make it every every day we get up, we have to make that choice, right? It's not something, well, I, you know, I thought about that a month and a half ago. It's something we have to have in the forefront of our mind each and every day so that we start that day focused on that relationship and that growth because it easy, it, it's easy to get complacent. And that's where we find ourselves in a society where we become complacent. We slide and boy, that, that's not a fun well, slide. It's not, it's not one in Astro. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the things about monastic life is that it, it it's on a, uh, a, a, a schedule, you know, it, it, your, your day is laid out for you. You're going to get up at this time. You're going to go to, to, uh, this, to prayer. You're going to go to mass or what uh, you're going to work in the garden. You're going to study you, your day is, is laid out for you. And um, that's uh, critically important to any spiritual life. And it's one of the things that, that we approach with great difficulty in, in, for those of us who work in secular society and, and are trying to maintain a Christian marriage. It's, it's, uh, it's not something that's uh, built in unless we build it in to our day, unless, unless we... Uh, we have, unless we develop our own regimen, our own spiritual regimen, um, it, it's it's not laid out by someone for us. So, you know, I think that's that's extremely critical, and it's what it's one of the things that we can learn from the celibate life uh, if we apply it to married life. How can people follow what you're doing? I only write for two magazines, Crisis and uh, uh, Catholic Stand, and um, I have an author page on uh, both of those magazines. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.